I'm excited today because I'm preaching a sermon and I will go ahead and say that I'm pretty confident that you have never heard a sermon from one of the chapters I'm going to read from this morning. Some of you may have read it and skimmed through it as quick as you could because you didn't want to read the book of Leviticus. I'm preaching from Leviticus in a minute. But um, I'm going to go ahead and... What's that? Oh, dismiss Children's Church. I think they're all gone. They, they, they went. They got your back, Pastor Adam. Amen. So... This morning I'm going to be preaching this message. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident that you've never heard a, to, a sermon on this topic before. Unless you've heard me preach this exact message. I have preached it, I think, one other time. But would you pray with me real quick? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your presence. I thank you that you're here. Father, I thank you that this is all of you and none of me. That it's not my opinion or theology, but it's yours. God, I pray that we would leave this place changed, wanting and knowing you more. You would unite us as a family, God, and you would cause us to realize that the same power that raised you from the dead lives on the inside of us, God, and it's that power that can be used to come through us, through our words, through our actions, through our lifestyle, to touch and reach other people. Father, we thank you that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. We give you the praise and the honor and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you open your Bibles to Luke chapter 8? Luke chapter 8. That is such a preachy statement. Would you open your Bibles? Because most people just go to their phones and just like scroll to it. You know what I mean? But I'm telling you, bring your Bible. Luke chapter 8, verse 43. One of my favorite. I say this a lot, but this really is one of my favorite passages to preach from. Luke 8, 43 through 48. Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any came from behind and touched the border of his, Jesus' garment. And immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you. And you say, who touched me? But Jesus said, somebody touched me, for I perceived power going out from me. Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She, and she declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. It's a very... Popular passage of scripture, but we're going to dive in a little bit deeper with it this morning. I am having so much fun up here, you don't even know. Verse 43, we got to realize a few things. That number one, she is a woman. And you've heard me say this many times, that when you're reading the Bible, especially the New Testament, the Gospels, we have to remember that Israel is the subject of a foreign empire. The Romans are in charge. And so the Romans treated their subjects as lesser citizens, and then the women were lesser subjects than the men of the lesser citizens, and you get so on and so forth. So she's already off to a, a discriminating start because she's a woman. She's a second-class citizen, and because of her culture, it's against her. But then if you look at verse 43, it says that she's sick. She's had a flow of blood for 12 years. Now... When you read into this and you kind of dig into this, um, this story a little bit, you find out that most writers and historians and theologians believe that she had a condition called menorrhagia, if I'm saying that right. Menorrhagia, menorrhagia, something like that. Which basically means, and this is why you've never heard a sermon like this before, it basically means that she had her cycle for 12 years straight. 
That's what that means, that she was continually in the state of having her menstrual cycle for 12 years. So that, that's important. We're going to come back to it in a minute. So not only is she a second-class citizen, but she's in constant pain. And you got to remember, they didn't wear pants. So she's also in a state of constant shame where she's trying to make sure that she's not exposed or the world doesn't know what's going on. So she's off to a really, we're two verses in, she's off to a pretty bad start. Then if you go to verse 43, we find out that she's broke. So not only is she a second class citizen that she's discriminated against, not only is she sick with a pretty shameful or, or in her day and age, it would have been a pretty shameful situation to deal with. Then she spent all of her money. So the odds are extremely stacked in her favor. But I want you to notice something in verse 44 that I, I love. I, I Put up verse 44 for me. If you can. And she came from behind him. Why did this woman come from behind to grab Jesus? See, you have been in church, I've been in church. Have you ever been in a service and you knew you needed to respond to an altar call for ministry, but you didn't want to go up because you didn't want anybody to see you? Right? You ever had those? If not, you're probably lying. You should come up today at the end of service. Because we've all been there where the pastor makes an altar call and that should be me. I should go up there. I really need to go get ministered, ministered to. I need some prayer. But if I go up there, then Lauren or Brother Paul is going to see me and they're going to know that I'm struggling with this. And oh my gosh, oh no. Uh, what are they going to do to me? When in all reality is, God knows you're dealing with it and you're ignoring the leading of his spirit. It really don't matter what Paul says. But we, we get shameful. And so this woman knows she needs healing because she's heard about Jesus. She's heard the, the miracles he's done. She's heard all the magnificent works and things. She's heard that he, he turned water into wine. And she's heard that, that he fed a bunch of people. And she's heard that he raised that guy from the dead. And he opened up blinded eyes. And nobody had ever opened blinded eyes. Did you know that? That in all the miracles in the Bible, nobody had ever healed blindness till Jesus? She's heard all of these things. And she's like, I got to get to Jesus. But I, I can't. I can't go to Jesus. You ever felt like you can't go to Jesus? I'm being real. Have you ever felt that you can't go to Jesus? Like, I, 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 I don't want to bother him. Or I'm too much of a mess to go to him. I, I got to get some things. I know I can, I can get this right and this right and this right. So let me go get it right and then I'll go to Jesus. No, no, no. No, I can't, I can't go to him yet. I need, to, I need to make sure you understand why this woman came from behind to touch Jesus. Because as, as I've said, when I read the Bible, just different things. The Lord highlights different things to stick out to me. And when I read this one day and, and that she came from behind, because for me, if I need prayer, I'm just going to go get prayer, right? Like if I, I'm going to just go ask him. Hebrews 4 says that I can boldly approach the throne of grace with confidence and find help in my time of need. But this woman has to come from behind. Now we're going to go to everybody's favorite book real quick. We're going to go to Leviticus chapter 15. Now, all the people who have read the Bible are like, oh my gosh, what is he going to do? Before we read this book, I want, to let, I want to give you a little background here. The book of Leviticus lays out in great detail and description the 613 laws that the Jewish people lived by before Jesus came. This is what we call the Old Covenant. And what it was, was it wasn't just um, moral behavior, but it was legitimately the rules of their society. This was how they governed their, their cities. This is how they lived their lives. And a lot of the things in here were put in here for, for medical reasons. So what we're about to read is God giving them instruction for literally the sake of cleanliness and medicine, 
right? Like this is not just meanness. This is, God put this in for a reason, but, but you got to catch this and I hope you can catch it. Again, you, I, I'm, I'm just going to say it. I bet you never heard a message from this particular chapter before. If you have, amen. Leviticus 15, 19 through 24. If a woman has a discharge and the discharge from her body is blood, she will be set apart seven days. Hang with me. I promise it's going to go somewhere. And whoever touches her shall be unclean until the evening. Everything that she lies on during her impurity will be unclean. Also, everything that she sits on shall be unclean. Whoever touches her bed shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and, un and be unclean till evening. And whoever touches anything that she sat on shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean till evening. And if anything is on her bed or on anything upon which she sits, when he touches it, he shall be unclean until the evening. And if any man lies with her at all so that her impurity is on him, he shall be unclean for seven days and every bed on which he lies shall be unclean basically let me give you the, the, the gist of this she was considered ceremonially unclean everything she touched was considered ceremonially unclean every person she touched was considered ceremonially unclean every person who touched a person that she touched was ceremonially unclean and every person that touched something she touched was ceremonially unclean and every person that touched a person that touched something she touched was ceremonially unclean are you understanding the situation here this woman and this was for seven days this woman is According to her culture, because they don't have the modern medicine, right? They don't know what menorrhagia is. They don't know that it's a disease and it's not the regular situation. So, so they don't understand. They just know. She knows that I'm unclean and I've been unclean for 12 years. So I want you to think about this for a minute. Can you imagine how exhausting it was to be this woman? How exhausting it was. She wakes up in the morning and she has to wash everything she slept in all night. She has to wash her clothes. She gets up, she goes to make her kids breakfast. But she can't actually have them touch what she touches. So she has to go get someone else to make her kids breakfast. Because she can't actually make them, but she can't touch them or they're unclean. And then if somebody, if her kids are by the house and her kids have to stay away from her because if they touch the couch that she sat on, then they were unclean that they can't go eat breakfast at the neighbor's house. Are you, are, are you catching the absolute fear? Can you imagine the anxiety? Just take one moment and imagine the anxiety of which this woman lived. That every day, all day, she had to be completely conscious of everything she touched, every person she touched. And here's the deal, right? Nobody wanted to have to go through these ritual cleanings all the time. So most likely she tried to hide the fact that she was bleeding so that they wouldn't know they were unclean. Because if they found out you were unclean, people would avoid you. There are so many people that feel like everything they touch falls apart. There were so many people who feel like everywhere they go, they cause problems. Every person they talk to, they offend or they can't connect with. Every single time they try to get involved in something, it crumbles all around them. They, they, they mess up things with their family. They mess up things with their spouse. They mess up things at their job. They mess up every relationship they have ever had. They can't seem to get it right. And so now that just snowballs into every new relationship they find themselves in. They walk into the new job carrying all the anxiety of the old one. And they're just lost and they're confused. And now they get to a point, I don't want to date nobody. I don't want to talk to nobody. I don't want to be friend with nobody because I'm just going to mess them up. I'm the problem. 
This woman probably had real social anxiety issues when it came to even being around her own family. Because the world, the culture, had marked her as unclean. The culture had said, she's not good enough. The culture had said, something's wrong with her. We have to avoid her. We, we, she's going to mess us up if we get around her. And this was the law. This wasn't just a, like a, a societal norm. This was law. And so this is what this woman is carrying. This is what she's carrying. Now, you've got to understand what happens here. She hears about Jesus. She hears about the man that can walk on water. She hears about the man that can multiply the bread and, and, and the fish. She hears about the man that opened blinded eyes. She hears about the man that raised the dead. And she said, well, I've already spent everything I have on, every, on trying to get this fixed. I've emptied my bank accounts. There are people who spend their bank accounts. They drain themselves financially trying to fix the shame and the baggage and the hurt and the anxiety and the depression and the fear that they're walking. They, they drain their bank account. They spend it all. They go try to do what this person says. Oh, you know what you got to do? You just got to go out more. If you just went out and had fun and drank a little bit and just got in your mind, you'd be fine. Okay, so then we go out for a year. And then at the end of the year, we're more depressed than we were before because alcohol is a depressant. But people keep doing it and make them feel better, but it's a depressant. Then, oh, you know what you need? You, you, need, to get, you need to go on some medicine. My doctor put me on this medicine, and this medicine makes me feel so much better. And I'm telling you, you just got to go on this medicine. It's going to make everything perfect. So then we get on the medicine, but then we're still drinking. And we go on the medicine, and now we're comatose half the time. And it just snowballs, and it keeps snowballing, and it keeps snowballing. And we've expended everything. We've given everything we have to try and make it right. We've done everything we can to try and fix the problem. We've done everything we can to solve the, the pain and the hurt that we're feeling on the inside. This woman walked around for 12 years as a social outcast. Her family knew that if they were going to come around her, it was going to have a cost. But she hears about Jesus. But she knows that if she touches Jesus, Jesus will become unclean. And Jesus is going to have to go wash. And then he can't pray for nobody else because he's going to have to go, go back and take care of him. Change his clothes. And then like he's, on, he's done for the day. So she's like, I, I, got, I know that if I touch him, he can heal me. But I can't let him know I'm touching him. Because I don't want him to become unclean. So this is why she comes up from behind him. Because she does, she does not think everything that she knows, everything that she has been taught and has lived in her entire life tells her that Jesus cannot be in contact with her. Jesus cannot touch her. Jesus cannot meet her because of how unclean she is. And so she says, I'm just come from behind her. From behind him. But you see, something else really cool happens. That we miss a lot of the time. It says that she fought through the crowd. Now remember what I just described about anybody who touched her was unclean. And all, right? I'll just, I ain't going to read it again because I don't, you know, Leviticus is Leviticus. I'm not going to read it again. But every person she touched was unclean. But she pressed through the crowd to get to Jesus. So that means every person she bumped into... Or squeezed her way past. She's just spreading uncleanliness. 
And as I said, remember, they don't have pants on. So there's a chance that the blood is running down her legs at this point. And she's pressing through the crowd. And she might be even on her hands and her... I imagine by the time she got to Jesus, she was on her hands and knees because she grabs him by the hem of his garment, the bottom of his garment. And so she's probably crawling on the ground in public, covered in her own blood, exposing her condition to the entire culture. She pushed through the crowd. She said, I've had enough of trying everything else. If Jesus can't do it, I quit. If Jesus can't heal me, if Jesus can't fix me, if Jesus can't make this change in my life, then I'm done. And she pushes through and she pushes through and she puts something incredible happens when she gets a hold of him. She's been unclean for 12 years, been avoiding everything and everybody, doing laundry all day, every day, washing everything in the house. Can't do anything. But she make, And she touches Jesus, but something amazing happens. Instead of her uncleanliness making Jesus unclean, his purity makes her clean. In the moment, she, it says as soon as she touched the hem of his garment, the bleeding stopped. The moment she touched him, the bleeding stopped. When according to the law, he's now unclean. He's got to go home. He's got to bathe. He's got to wash his, his clothes. And he can't come out to the public till tomorrow. That's what culture said. Hear me out. The power of God is usually busy doing things that culture doesn't agree with. And the problem is, is we've tried to take the power of God and put it in this politically acceptable box. And it's actually hindered his ability to move among us because we want to make sure he moves in a way that's, that's, that's uh, appeasable to the, to the critics. When there is nothing appeasable about the power of God to the flesh. Nothing. And so she crawls through the crowd and she grabs a hold of him and instantly she's made whole. Instantly she's made clean. I'm here to tell you this morning, it does not matter what the condition of your heart is, what the condition of your life is, what your past looks like, how messed up you think you are, how messed up you think you mess up. It does not matter because when you get a hold of Jesus, your filth doesn't get on him. Your condition doesn't get on him. His condition gets on you. His condition gets on you. His purity gets on you. His peace gets on you. His joy gets on you. And she fought through the crowd. She pushed through the crowd. You can't dirty something. You can't dirty Jesus with something he already paid for. You can't. There are so many people, and it breaks my heart because, I mean, I, mean, I hate Facebook, and I love Facebook at the same time. I mostly hate it. Pretty much, always. But I see people on, on Facebook, and I see, I see the struggle. You don't even realize you're struggling. Or I don't even know you're putting it out there, but I see it. I see it. I see people in this room. You're in, you're, you're, you're in what 1 Kings 18 says. You're in the valley of decision. You're wavering between two opinions. 
And then because of that, I see James 1 where it says that if a man doubts, he's like a wave tossed upon the sea and is unstable in all that he does. I see the instability. I see the turmoil. I see the frustration. I see the pain. I see the constant desire for more of him, but the constant inability to break through yourself. I heard a preacher say one time that the, the crowd this woman had to fight through for her was a crowd of people. The crowd you and I had to fight through is up here. That we got to push through all of the reasons that I shouldn't go to Jesus. All the reasons I don't want to go to Jesus. All the things I don't want to give up when I go to Jesus. All the things I don't want anybody to know about when I go to Jesus. All the things I don't want my spouse to know about when I go to Jesus. I got to push through the crowd. Because this woman understood something that most people in America have forgotten. There are certain things that only Jesus can get rid of. There are certain situations that only he can heal, only he can fix, only he can restore. And instead, we've tried to do all the other things and we're spending all of our money and all of our livelihood on all these other things. When Jesus is the answer, he's always been the answer and he always will be the answer. And the sooner that we realize that, the sooner things are just going to start making more sense. Her uncleanness did not get on Jesus but his purity got on her but I need to we need to go a little bit further here go to verse 45 and Jesus said who touched me Jesus said who touched me and the disciples are like are you kidding who touched you do we in a crowd of people everybody touching you Everybody's bumping into you. They grab you and they want to take a selfie with you. Like everybody is touching you. Everybody is touching you. And the disciples were as confused or really as ignorant as most of the church is today. I'm in church. Why isn't God fixing this? I go and I, I, I do the thing. Why, isn't, why am I not seeing more? Why is God not healing me? Why is this not happening? Why, 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 why? When, when, when I'm, I'm here, the disciples are like, they're all touching you. And he's like, no, 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 they're bumping into me. There's a massive difference between bumping into somebody and grabbing somebody. And there are far too many people in church today that are only bumping into Jesus. They're only bumping into him. They bump into him on Sundays from 10 to 11.30. They bump into him on a weeknight for life group. They bump into him when Caleb plays a good song or Spotify puts up the right worship song. They bump into him for a minute. But there are far too few people grabbing him. Because notice what he says. Who touched me? When they all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitude strong and press you. And you say, who touched me? Go to verse 30, 46. But Jesus said, somebody touched me for I perceived power going out from me. See, when you bump into Jesus, you don't get power. When you bump into Jesus, you don't get supernatural activity in your life. When you bump into Jesus, you might experience the overflow that somebody else has. You might experience, you get around somebody who's, who's praying a lot and spend a lot of time with the Lord and is rarely like... Their, their devotion life is on point. You get in the car with them, you'll probably feel a little something. You will. But it's a totally different ballgame when you start grabbing them for yourself. I am probably the world's worst faster. When it comes to fasting, I am terrible at fasting. 
Not because I don't want to fast. I forget that I'm fasting. I'm serious. I just forget. Like I wake up in the morning and I won't eat breakfast and I'll have my black coffee and I'll drink water and I'm good and I'm running and I'm doing great. And then it's 11.45 and I'm running around going from this meeting, taking this phone. I'm like, oh, I'm hungry. Burger. Three bites in. Oh, I'm fasting. Not anymore. I guess I'll start tomorrow. <laughs> you ever done that? There's one time, several, several years ago, um, it was January, and um, Shay's here. Her husband, Brett, her, Brett's good at fasting. Like, Brett does it for a hobby, I think. Like, if Brett's bored, I'm just fast for a week. Uh, who cares? <laughs> Am I wrong? No, I'm not. And so I went to him one, one December, end of the year, and I said, I want you to help me fast. I'm going to fast in January, and I'm terrible at it. I just forget. It's not that I don't want to do it. It's not that I don't, I believe I have the discipline to do it. I just legitimately forget not to eat. That's a problem. It's a real problem, but it's the situation. And he's like, and he's like, all right, be at the church at 5 a.m. I'm like, don't eat. Remember not to eat. Be at the church at 5 a.m. Not sure how these things connect, but I wanted you to help me, so I'm going to be at the church at 5 a.m. So we get to the church at 5 a.m. Monday, nothing. Tuesday, still fasting though, nothing. Wednesday, still fasting. Thursday, we prayed a whole week. Saturday and Sunday, you coming tomorrow? I said, yeah, I'm coming tomorrow. You still fasting? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually doing it, which was, uh, I, I did good. The next Monday morning, 5 a.m., nothing. That Monday evening, we had a prayer meeting here. And I remember before we had this extension of the stage, the steps used to kind of wrap around like this. And for whatever reason, I really just liked to lay. When I was praying, I would lay like horizontally at the bottom of the stairs. Don't know why. I just felt like that's where Jesus was. And I just wanted to lay there. So I laid there. And I, I just started, I was weeping and the presence of God got so strong. And I'm like, here, there, here it is. Like I've been waiting for this for like a week. And I didn't know where it was. Because it just felt like normal. And then it showed up. And I remember being, feeling like I was, like somebody had their hand on my, I mean, it wasn't somebody, it was him. Just pinning me to the floor. Like, you wanted this, now I ain't gonna let you get up. Like, okay. But I remember opening my eyes at one point, like picking my head up, my you know, tears everywhere. And I look, and, and there's 15 youth. I was youth pastor. I said 15 youth on their faces around, like in an in a area around me. Apparently, I didn't know this because I was, you know, out of it. Brett was going to get the teenagers in the room and just told them, go over there by Chris. Just go over there. And they would come over by me. And the moment they got close enough to presence got him, they would start to go down. I didn't know this. What was happening was I was pushing through my crowd of not being able to fast and, and not being able to stay disciplined and get up and pray when I'm supposed to. I was pushing through my crowd and I had grabbed the hold of his garment. And when I grabbed the hold of his garment, he said, oh, somebody in Shelmet touched me because I felt power come out from me. And then when, when he felt power come out from him and it came to me, what began to happen was I believe that he fills our cup to overflowing and it was overflowing out of me. And anybody who got close enough began to feel a little bit of what I was carrying. It isn't because Chris is special. It's because Chris pushed through the crowd. It's because Chris said, I got to get a hold of his garment because what I'm walking in isn't enough. What I'm carrying isn't enough. What I'm facing right now needs more than just a couple songs in the morning while I'm brushing my teeth. 
he pushed, she pushed through the crowd. Some of you come to church and you want to be made whole and you want to be healed and you want your past removed and you want the shame gone, but you're not pushing through the crowd. You're not pushing through the crowd. But go to Hebrews chapter 4. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. There is never a moment, there is never a situation, there is never a crisis, there is never a need too small or a need too big that you cannot approach him in. But we don't do it. We don't. If you remember and you go back, and I gotta do a better job of keeping it in front of you, but all the beginning of this year, January, most of February, February, most of March, I preached on our core values here, engage, encourage, empower, and enjoy. The number one core value of this church, the main one is that we engage God, we engage each other, and we engage the community. We engage God. What does it mean to engage God? It means to go with intent, with purpose, and get with him. I'm telling you, there's some of you in here right now that you're believing for a breakthrough in your life. And I'm going to let you know, church attendance and life group attendance isn't enough. You're believing for God to do something supernatural. In, how many of you need something supernatural in your life? Right? I'm not talking about I need a better job, which I'm not saying it's supernatural. But that's an, I'm talking I need something supernatural to happen. I, need, I want something supernatural to happen in my life. I want empty wheelchairs in this building. Right? I want drug addicts set free. I want heroin addicts set free and clean at the altar. That's, that's the power of God. That's what I'm pushing through the crowd for. I'm tired of seeing a generation of young people see. I'm not a youth pastor anymore, but my heart still goes out to young people. I'm tired of seeing a generation come up that's, that's comatose in their cell phones. Because if they would have one encounter with the power of God, they'd forget what a phone looked like. I believe for freedom for the captives. I believe open blinded eyes. I believe that we could have a church service at 3 a.m. in the morning and you'd still have a full building because the power of God is here. But that doesn't happen by attending church, singing a few songs, throwing some money in a bucket, attending a life group and saying, man, that was a great day. It happens by pushing through the crowd. It happens by saying it doesn't matter what it costs. It doesn't matter what it looks like. I'm getting a hold of the hem of his garment. I want to get his attention. Because I want, I believe, and I believe I'm called, and I want to walk that out. I believe that this ministry is called to impact this city, this region. I went to Slidell. I told you I, told you I was going to do this a couple weeks ago. I drove to Slidell for, to bring tables back from Band of Brothers last Monday. And I drove up to Gauze. And I just was praying. And I found myself driving up Gauze Boulevard. And if you know me, I'm not a big fan of Gauze. I lived there right after Katrina. It just wasn't my kind of place. And I'm driving on Gauze. And I started praying. I said, Lord, I said, I don't know what it takes. I don't know what it costs. 
But if we can bring revival or be a part of what brings revival to side, they'll sign me up. Why? Because why would I want to contain something so incredible to a zip code? Why would I want to contain something so incredible to a time slot on a Sunday morning or to a building? When he's called me to push through the crowd, grab a hold of his garment, and then take that power that he's given me and bring it to people who need it. Because I'm going to tell you right now, there are people in Winn-Dixie, there are people at your workplace, there are people all over this parish, all over St. Tammany, all over all the different areas where we come from. There are people that are broken and they're lost and they're hurting and they are hearing about Jesus. But the problem is they hear about Jesus, but they're not seeing very much of the fruit that they hear people talk about. But if they can see somebody who grabs the hem of his garment, if they can see somebody who will push through the crowd, if they can find one Christian at their workplace, one nurse on the, on the, on the ship, one fireman at the, at, the, at the firehouse, one teacher at the school, one student in the classroom that says, you know what, 30 minutes early ain't that big of a deal. I get up there, I'm going to push and I'm going to pursue heaven and I'm going to get heaven. If they would be a mama that would get up and pursue heaven for their babies, if they would be a daddy who would pursue heaven for their kids, if they would be pastors who would pursue heaven for a city, I promise you, heaven ain't far behind Because it just takes one touch. One touch. I told you I had a big announcement this morning. And I'm extremely excited and, ex and equally as nervous. Because this is so much bigger than me. Because I'm not this guy. But when I tell you that I believe that God has a mission for this ministry that's bigger than church on Sunday and life groups during the week and, and just cool, cute church things, I mean it. When I say that I believe there's a city that needs to be reached, I mean it. When I say that I believe that there are people out there who need to have access and experience and encounter the power of God because they come in contact with you and me, I mean it. But I don't want to have them have to come to church on a Sunday to do that. One of my overseers, my, I call him my spiritual uncle, Anthony Marquise, told me something one time. I think it was the week I became pastor here. I said, you have any advice? He said, yeah. I said, what's that? He said, get aggravated by how little you use your church building. And I went, huh? And then it hit me like it took like five or six seconds. It hit me like a brick. Like, oh my goodness, we got this big old building here and we only use it on Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights for prayer, like sporadically. And as soon as he said that, the Holy Spirit birthed something in me, really brought something back to my memory that I had discussed years ago with Brianna Valentine. And so what I'm here to tell you this morning is that you can put the slide up. Coming in January, hopefully in January, but in the early of 2022, we're going to be opening up a daycare here in our facility. Now, this is the reason why. The reason why is because there are families right now. I don't know if you know this, but daycares are like closing like crazy since COVID. But there are families that need somewhere to bring their babies because they got to go to work. That's an obvious problem. But see, deeper than that is there are families that need to encounter the power and the presence of God. 
This isn't just someone that's going to watch somebody's kids. Every kid that's on this register is going to be covered in intercessory prayer every single day. Every family that's connected to this place is going to be covered in prayer. Why? Because when I'm here during the week and I'm praying over the building, I'm praying over the whole thing. When they drop their kids off in the morning, they're going to be walking in to drop their kids off and they're going to walk off going, man, I feel different. Something, something just, I don't know why. I, I love dropping my kids off and I love picking my kids up. Why? I don't know. It's the presence of God because somebody said, I'm going to go touch the hem of his garment. What I'm asking from you is to go after his garment with me. Is to say, you know what, Lord? I don't even know how to do it, but I'm going after it. I'm going after his garment. We're going to be taking pursue prayer and going every week soon. Because prayer should be like all day, every day, but obviously. We're going to be doing it every week soon. Is it tomorrow night or was it last week? It's tomorrow night. Come here tomorrow night and let's, let, let's go after the hem of his garment. Because see this thing, it needs prayer. We got to pass health inspections. We got to build a play area on the side. We got to do a bunch of different things. And I'm probably going to come and ask you to partner with us financially to help get this thing off the ground. But I'm not doing that today. Today I'm asking you to go after the hem of his garment with me. Because here's the deal. You ready? You don't know, and I'm going to just speak real prophetic and give you some real how I think vision-wise. You don't know this, but you might have a two- or three-year-old kid. Your two- or three-year-old daughter or son's spouse might come to this daycare. They may not know that they're their spouse for 20 years, but you don't know. You don't know. You may come to church on Sunday morning and you may feel a little out of place. You may feel like you don't fit in. You may feel a little awkward. If that's the case, please come let me know, first off. But second of all, you might struggle with that. Well, guess what? Somebody might come here that might be your best friend forever you haven't met yet. But the bottom line is that there are kids that are going to be impacted by the presence and the power and the love of God. Families will be impacted by the presence and the power and the love of God. Why? Because somebody said, I'm going after his garment. Would you stand with me this morning?